in this edition of Hoopsology, hosted on the Boss Life Podcast Network. Matt and Justin welcome sports anchor for the New York Post and SNY TV, Dexter Henry. We get Dexter's insight into the consequences of the Nuggets winning the NBA championship, the addition of the in-season NBA tournament, and the evolution of the modern NBA superstar, and a lot more. We had Dexter on the show previously, and we're happy to have him on again as to talk about a busy offseason within the NBA and to get excited for what the season has in store. So enjoy this chat with Dexter Henry. He is a sports anchor for the New York Post and SNY. We welcome back Dexter Henry onto Hoopsology. Welcome back, Dexter. Thanks for having me, Justin. Matt, good to see you guys again. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, good to see you too. And I want to get your opinion, take us way back to when the Denver Nuggets won the title. Um, I was considered the Nuggets kind of like a mid-market team. I don't. I think they've graduated from a small market team. But, you know, you're on the pulse of just the sporting news world every single day. So what has been kind of the reaction of just kind of casual fans to just other sports um, luminaries, just in terms of their um, following of the NBA, of just the Nuggets winning the championship? Um, do you think with the Nuggets being such a mid-level team, uh, mid-market team, sorry, mid-level, I could be, be, be careful. But do you th- what has been the reaction in terms of the Nuggets winning the title? Do you think it's kind of hurt the league in terms of just exposure? Or do you think um, it's been a positive overall? So for me as a basketball fan, Justin, it's it's been a positive, right? I think the problem that you have when you talk about the Nuggets is people still sadly don't respect Jokic enough, which is crazy, right? Like he's, he's so, Mm -hmm. he's so dope. And I feel like people still aren't respecting how good he is, right? It's kind of like, uh, he probably should have won the MVP again last year. That's a whole nother story. Right. But Mm -hmm. like, everybody's like, oh man, this guy's been the best player in the league for three years in a row. I mean, statistics are crazy. The numbers prove it. It, and I think a lot of it is how we look at winning as a sports society and also basketball fans, right? Like, Jokic doesn't look like the guy that's supposed to lead you to a championship, right? He's not flashy. He's not supremely athletic, but he gets the job done. And he's getting two points and getting to the line and dropping dimes and grabbing boards and doing all that stuff that you're supposed to do. So in a way, I feel like the reaction to answer your question to the Nuggets winning the championship has been kind of meh and undervalued, right? Like there's, there's, I'm reading things. I'm sure you guys are seeing the same things where it's like, everybody's like, well, like this team can come out the West next year and this other team can win the championship. And I'm like, are we not going to talk about the Nuggets? I know they lost a major piece <laughs> of Bruce Brown, right? Like I, I get all this. I understand that this has happened, but this was a damn good team. This is a team that should have Jamal Murray coming back uh, healthier another year, uh, Michael Porter Jr. healthier another year, and those guys playing together for another year. I'm a big believer in continuity, and I think that matters a lot in sports. Man, I just I think Jokic is sort of not getting his due um, overall, and I'm not sure the Nuggets are. It's in a way, it's kind of like Milwaukee a couple years ago, but I think the difference with Milwaukee is there were so many people rooting for Giannis to get to this mountaintop and get over it. In the sense with Jokic, I think it's more of this case is like uh, I don't know if he's that good. There's still doubters. I'm still hearing this. I'm still in discussions with people in group chats. It's like Jokic is not that good. They're crazy, but. Jokic is that good. The Nuggets are that good. They have a good core, and I think they're going to be here for a while and formidable. That doesn't mean I don't think somebody else can win the championship next year. I just think the Nuggets are damn good, and we need to start putting some respect on their name consistently. That's all. 
So with Jokic, like I've seen the guy play live in person, and he is just a phenomenal player. And I don't understand necessarily the criticism because we've seen other NBA athletes with a boring personality. Tim Duncan comes to mind, mm-hmm. um, or international players that they get their due, like Dirk. Like I think he's fantastic, but he's you know compared to other um, players in NBA history. You know, you've seen other guys that may be more flashy, but yet Dirk got his due and international players get their due. So I don't understand with Jokic, what is it about him that like he just cannot get respect? Because I feel even if this guy wins like three or four titles, I think there's still be a lot of detractors out there just being just they can't believe this guy's that good. That's a good I I like how you phrase that question, Justin, because. It's really good to think about him in the context of the comparison with Dirk. And I love that you also brought up Tim Duncan, right? Not the most outgoing or energetic personality. But my thing, maybe this is I get older as a basketball fan, is like, who cares, right? Like, if you're going out there and you're helping to win possessions, which is what you're supposed to do in basketball, that's what matters. And Jokic does this at a really high level. But you ask, what is it about him? I think, I think it's a couple things, right? Like, I think it's, there's still a lot of older basketball fans that have the European stigma of these guys can't play. They're soft. Dirk had to deal with that, right? I think we have enough evidence that that's clearly not true. Like, we don't need to hold on to this anymore. You got got Jokic out here killing it, right? You got Doncic, who I'm a huge fan of, um, out here killing it. I mean, you want to take other guys, whether it's Giannis, whomever you want to take. The talent around the world is just so great. I think with Jokic, I think the big problem is this. I think people are still doing a lot of uh, sort of body shaming with his body type, right? They look at Jokic <laughs> and they're like, "Man, I could, I could take him one on one." I see you laughing, man. And you know, you you probably heard this from people. You oh yeah, people no, you're say, right, right? Yeah, you know, you're right. people like, I could take Jokic one. You couldn't, right? Like, there's no way you could <laughs> at all whatsoever. And he is giving it to dudes who are sometimes more athletic than him whatever it may be. And I think that's part of the thing. It's it's kind of like what I said before. He doesn't do this in this way that uh, we have traditionally seen or think that it's supposed to be done. I, I even think Dirk had to deal with this a little bit with the criticisms of him being soft. I think the difference with Dirk was why people might have gravitated and gave him his due, as you brought up, Justin, is that with Dirk, he was such an elite shooter as a seven-footer. And people were like, okay, that, that skill set is so unique. And the reason I bring that up, because Jokic clearly has unique skill sets. I think all of us here would say he's the best passing big man of all time. And I think where he even gets disrespected with that is he's one of the best passers, period, of all time, right? Like, we got to start actually saying that. And I think he doesn't get credit because nothing, as I said, nothing is really sexy. He's not banging on anybody. He's not crossing anybody over. He's just going out there, workmanlike, doing his business. But I assure you guys, all, and I don't mean you guys here on the podcast, but I mean everybody listening, watching, who thinks Jokic is not good, you don't want any problems with Jokic. Jokic will give you those buckets. He'll give you those dimes. He'll give you those rebounds. He's a fantastic player, um, but I think it's just more of the aesthetics uh, that people don't like. And I, do the aesthetics matter really much anymore? Like I said, if, if you're getting two points, if you're helping your team win possessions, it's all that matters really at the end of the day. Dexter, you bring up a, a great point that I I wanted to mention when you bring up aesthetics there, because I think to add to what you were saying, all great points, Jokic is like 
such a zag from what we've had really like the past decade of basketball. I mean, you've had the, the freak athleticism of LeBron. You've had the freak shot of Steph Curry that, you know, the greatest shooter of all time. I don't think anyone would, would argue at this point, at least from deep, if, if nothing else. And I wonder too, if, if some of this is just fans that got into the sport in the 2010s or maybe even the 2000s sort of having to, shift gears in the product that they're consuming and, and who they're seeing win the title for this year. Yo, I, it's funny, Matt. I hadn't quite thought about it in the way you phrased it, right? In sort of the evolution of basketball and the way people have actually seen superstars look, even though I kind of hit on that, but the way you kind of hit it is like the evolution of it, right? And I was thinking about as you were saying that, I'm like, okay, back in the early 2000s, there was a lot more isolation basketball. It was heavily predicated on athleticism. But this is a point I brought up to somebody recently. And I would say, okay, take your seven, eight best players in the league. How many of them would you say are truly amazingly athletic, right? Like outside of like LeBron and maybe Giannis, we're talking to about athleticism that jumps off the page. If you think Jokic is, Jokic is obviously one of the best players in the league. If not the best player in the league. He's not a super athlete. Luka Doncic. Another guy, a guy who I will say, I think, in my opinion, and anybody has been drafted probably in the last seven to eight years, I thought was one of the best prospects I ever saw coming out. I thought it was ridiculous he didn't get drafted with the first pick. I, I said that then. This is not revisionist history. I saw this man kill it in, in Eurobasket. I saw what he was doing in Euroleague at 17, 18 years old, and I said, this kid is nasty. Uh, one of the best talents. I said, he's not overly athletic, right? The thing I think that's more important in basketball, to your point, Matt, more than ever today is the ability to be highly skilled but also be able to get to your spots and execute and i think that's what we're seeing heavily in basketball when we look at Jokic; he's fantastic at that Doncic is always great at that another guy i know he's in the news for wrong reasons but part of that evolution james harden not a great athlete but fantastic at creating space getting to his spots highly skilled as a passer steph curry i will say this not a super athlete incredibly well conditioned so understanding how to run off screens, move with the ball, that's a very high skill. And obviously the shooting, right? I think basketball is less about how great of an athlete you can be. The top players who have athleticism but never develop skill, a la a Russell Westbrook, who was good for a period of time, what happens to them on the back end of their careers? They don't have the longer careers that you. I think a Jokic can have, a Steph Curry as we're seeing having, a Doncic I believe will have even when their athleticism goes down a bit because they're so skilled and they know how to get to their spots, I still think they'll be effective. And I think to your point, Matt, basketball fans have to see that that's the evolution. That's where the game is right now. I still think sometimes when it comes to drafts, when we talk about Victor, Victor and Scoot this year and other guys coming out, I still think there's a lot of talk about, oh man, this person's crazy athletic. And I look at it a lot about how do you impact the game? How are you going to help your team win possessions? Can you get to your spots? Can you create for others? I think if just the numbers show it. If you're a top player, generally you can do that. You don't have to be a crazy athlete anymore to do that because the game is just too skilled. There's too many skilled players of the 10 players on the court to just be based on athleticism. And if everything's about athleticism, you're going to have your limitations. There's only so much you can do for so long. I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I want to ask you about, you brought him up with Victor Wimbayama, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of comparisons with him and LeBron. 
And I remember I was in high school when LeBron rose to prominence. And I remember just his games being televised on television and just a Sports Illustrated article and then his first game. And at first, I was a little bit jarred by this in terms of like the impact in the league um, with Victor compared to LeBron in terms of like, hey, this guy can have more of an impact um, more than LeBron. But I have to remember, too, like we're in a diff- different day and age. There was no social media back then. Um, international games weren't readily accessible. They were on the NBA app for Victor. So what do you make of this hype train for him in San Antonio? Do you think you'll have the same impact as LeBron did in terms of the league? Or do you think he's different? Like, is, this, is he so, somebody totally different? Uh, what do you think of these comparisons? I think he's so different. And I think, like, I think we're always looking to, like, not you per se, Justin, but I think sports are always like, okay, what's the next thing? Who, How do we compare this to this last person? And I think we also have to put respect on what Bron- LeBron did from the time, you know, I mean, I was a little, I'm a little older than you, I guess. So I was just college, I think, end of high school, college, when LeBron was coming. Uh, to his prominence, LeBron delivered, right? Like, it's really hard yeah. to have all that hype, and he delivered. Victor's got a lot of pressure on him. Everything I've read about this kid is he's very focused. I think it's a really good thing that he got drafted by San Antonio, will be around Pop, will be in what we have known to be a good culture. Um, I think those things are good for him. I think he's got the tools to be a great player. Um, he looks very good defensively. I, I could actually see him being a better better defensive player than he is offensive player in the first couple of years of his career, and then that's sort of coming coming on, which I actually think is a good thing. Um, I think he'll get stronger. I think he'll get better. I think that'll need to happen because I think you'll see him get pushed around a little bit this year. But he's somebody I also look at, too, and this kind of goes. He's not – he's 7'3", but he's not a crazy athlete. Like He doesn't even have the athleticism like LeBron did jumping off the page, right? But – he has what I like to call it. He has a good feel for the game. I think that's there already. And, I, and I'm intrigued to see how San Antonio uses him in year one because I think you should probably use him a lot moving off of screens and letting him learn how to move without the ball. Don't necessarily put the ball as much in his hands. I think he can be very highly skilled at that. And I think he's going to play in a team game. Could he be one of the greatest players of all time? Sure, of course. Of course he can. He's got the talent to do it. I think he has a want to, to want to do it in the drive. I think we have to be careful about saying, can he do what LeBron did? What LeBron did, nobody's done, right? Like, I mean, unless you're talking about with that much hype, the only other person I'd say you want to put on the level of having that much hype coming out of anywhere is really the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's yep. one of the three greatest players of all time, right? Because when you look at what he did coming out of Power Memorial in New York and then going to UCLA and then what he obviously did on the NBA stage uh, with the Bucks and the Lakers, nobody, he delivered. So there's like two guys like that with that much hype um, that that's come out and been the top pick because that's also the, obviously the, the other comparison there. So I think he's got all the tools to do it. I just hope that we enjoy him, right? Like I, I have this feeling that, you know, the first couple of games this year, maybe he struggles in a game offensively. Or We saw this with his first couple of summer league games, right? Everybody went crazy. Oh, Victor shot two for 13 <laughs> or whatever it was in the first game. And it's like, Come on, man. Like, let's we can let him enjoy the summer league and let him get acclimated. And he's gonna have his grown pains. But I think I think the talent's phenomenal. I, I I'd be stunned if Victor was a bust. That would stun me. Um, how good he can be, I think that's a lot up to him. But I have this feeling just based on what I've read from him and what everybody says, I think it's more the mental I like about him. And I think that he's in a good culture to develop that mindset towards to being great. Well said. And I, I think one of the things I find 
fascinating that that I'll be looking forward to watch is is San Antonio going to really like put him around the basket where he has such an obvious advantage with his length. Um, I mean, obviously you want him in the modern game to develop that long range shot, but it, I almost wonder if you spread the talent out so far around like that, if that'll actually be sort of a hindrance to him. And I'm looking forward to seeing them piece that together and and figure out where his best fit is, how he's actually going to be utilized, you know? I want to see, you know, Matt, I like you. I'd like to see, you know, I mean, I kind of miss post-ups in basketball sometimes. Oh, like I, wish we yeah. had, I wish we had some more of that. And I would like to see somebody utilize it. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't get like to go too crazy from summer league, but you saw some of that where they were trying to feature him on the block somewhat in the high post mm-hmm. as well too. So at the end, you know, that's a summer league offense. So I'm not going to go too crazy about that, but I do think the way pops is such a good coach. I think you're going to see a lot of him in a variety of situations. I do. And I think that's best for his game. Like I said, I think him moving without the ball will be good for him because he's such a fluid mover, even a seven, three, you're like, you can move this guy off the screens. Uh, He's not KD, but I think there's ways you can utilize him. That's different than any seven, three guy um, that, that you've probably seen in the league like that. I mean, you know, another guy that comes to mind is pretty decent at that in this league uh, is Porzingis who doesn't probably get enough credit when you when you move him. I'd like to see him post more, too, to your point. I think you can always use mm-hmm. him to post more, but when you move him off the ball, because of his height, his release, his shooting ability, um, it's really good. But he's also going to have a huge advantage down low, especially as he gets stronger. So I hope that we see him on the block a little bit. And he's got pretty good footwork. That's a, that's a skill I actually really like to see in a young player, the footwork. He's got pretty good footwork. So... I think if they utilize him on a block and it'll it'll force him to get stronger and think about moves and getting stronger and banging against bigger guys, good defensive players, he's gonna be able to get shots off because he's seven three. And he's gonna dunk on some people too. So I I, I definitely I definitely think it's a skill set that should be utilized with him. And I think if he that's another thing about him too. I think if he wants to be great, uh, as he says he wants to be, I think he's going to try to have his game as diverse as possible on the court and be open to that kind of coaching. So, Dexter, I want to shift gears, and I want to ask you just about the NBA in terms of how they're marketing their offseason so far. Um, a huge mm. push with Summer League, them introducing the in-season tournament, um, and then we've had just the, the rumors with like Damian Lillard and James Harden, and then heading into you know October, we have a lot of shakeup in terms of what ESPN is doing um, with their new personnel as well. Um, and then, of course, the, the in-season tournament is going to hit us immediately uh, once the season starts. What do you make of the, the league so far in terms of momentum heading into this upcoming season? Um, are you seeing it in terms of upward trajectory? Or is it just, I mean, you know, the turmoil with ESPN, it's not the most positive thing when you're seeing people get fired. And, you know, James Harden just... <laughs> bashing Daryl Morey on a mostly on a daily basis most recently. And with, you know, the whole thing with Damian Lillard, it's just not the most positive things that was happening with the league so far, but okay. What do you make of this off season? Do you think it's been positive, negative? Is any good, is controversy great, no matter positive, negative, what do you make of it so far? Yeah. The NBA be lying to all of us. If they say they don't like this off season drama, they don't like the talk around James Harden. I don't think maybe they like how it went down or him publicly calling out an owner, but the NBA, the league loves this trade rumors. The NBA is the most popular league on social media. The offseason drama, the possible transactions, that gets everybody talking. We're still talking about Damian Lillard 
in almost near September. He hasn't been traded. Heat fans want to know what's going to happen. Blazer fans want to know what's going to happen. There's still that talk till we go up to training camp. So I think the league, they they may not like how certain things go about. They may not like how things have got out with Aaron Goodwin and the agent and all that stuff. But they like the attention. It's what keeps people talking like us well into August and September. So I think they really like that. Um, in terms of the in-season tournament, me personally, I actually like the in-season tournament. Um, I know there's some people who don't like it. I think the NBA actually did a good job of thinking about a way to structure it within the season. I think a lot of people's resistance to it is, uh, well, how's it going to work? And I hear a lot of people tell me who's going to care. No, I, I, I think they'll care. I think there'll be some young teams that care, and I think that's good for the game. I'm a big Eng English Premier League soccer fan, so I watch a lot of soccer. I'm used to in-season in tournaments, playing for other trophies. I think that's a good thing if we could bring it into American sports. It's fun. I think the biggest thing I liked is they didn't, they did it within the season, and it doesn't actually – they didn't have to add too many more games because I'm actually a fan of the NBA. I think they should probably reduce the amount of games they have. I'm, I'm a fan of that because I think it's better for player health and the product overall. But I think the way they did it actually is good. And we'll see how much players care, especially once those games get to Vegas. But I like the group play. I think it's intriguing. It's something else to look forward to. Look, and let's be honest too, guys. The whole purpose of the NCAA tournament is one thing. It's to drum up interest in the beginning of the season, which most casual NBA fans, not us, not the diehards, I'm watching from October 25th on. Like, I'm all in. I got my league pass ready. I'm watching. But the casuals might not. So maybe this drums up some interest. I don't know if it does the first year, but I think it's something that can develop over time. I don't think it's a bad idea. And I think, you know, we'll look at this five, six, seven, ten years down the road. And guys that grew up with the in-season tournament, young play guys that are, who aren't in the league now that are watching basketball, it's going to become a thing. And I think they'll really care about it. I think it's going to be fine. I actually really think it's going to be fine. The WNBA has done a fantastic job with the Commissioner's Cup. They've done it for three years. I watched the final uh, last week, and you could tell those Liberty players and the Aces players cared. Um, and I, I wish I actually wish the WNBA's format was a little bit more like the NBA. Um, obviously, they have less teams, but I like the group play. I think it's a, I think it's good. I like the format. I think overall, to answer your overall question about marketing, I think all this stuff drums up interest in the league. I think my concern is, as we get towards the next TV deal, right, one of the concerns I think the NBA has to have is, all right, like, viewership is down. Right? That's, that's, that's undeniable across the board. Viewership is down. Younger generations are not watching NBA the way previous generations did, and that's fine. I, but as I mentioned before, they do have the most engagement on social media. So I think the next thing for the NBA is how do they profit off of this, right? And how do they take that engagement and profit off of it? You've seen there's been more ties with sports gambling, and I think that's going to be huge going forward. But I think they're going to find ways to profit off of other ways that people are going to watch games because the way people are watching games are changing. Uh, not as many people's fan as teams. More people are fan as players. So how do you tap into that more? I think there's a lot of room for growth for the NBA where I do give them a lot of credit as opposed to some other sports leagues in this country is they do seem to want to actually try to innovate and change and adjust with the viewership and not stay the same. And that's why I applaud the in-season tournament. I applauded the play-in tournament, which obviously is, I think everybody likes that now. People were skeptical of that at first, but that's been really good towards the end of the season. So now they're looking at something to drum up interest in the beginning of the season. And we've seen what the play-in tournament has done for the end of the season. Still think the regular season should be shorter, but that's a whole other conversation for another day. But I think 
I think overall growth of the NBA is good. I think they just have to figure out how do they monetize these social media opportunities and get uh, viewers to where they're at in the near in the near future. But I'm sure there's something people much smarter than myself are, are, are working on. So I'm sure they're working on that. Man, couldn't agree more. And I, I think too, I mean, imagine if in 10 years we were saying instead of the NBA starts on Christmas Day, if we say the NBA starts in the play-in tournament, in the in-season mm -hmm. tournament, you know, I mean, that'd be such a huge victory for the NBA. That's like another, you know, month and a half, almost two months of viewership based on that. And then you're also, you know, we're talking about a league that at least, you know, beyond like 2017, kind of starving for rivalries, kind of starving for a little bit more tradition, I think, with how opinions have changed about the all-star game, you know, unfortunately, mm -hmm. mostly, mostly kind of negative opinions lately, it seems. Um, so I, I think something where, you know, if, you, if you're seeing on ESPN or on social media, like, Hey, the, the most in-season champions ha have been the Denver nuggets or whoever it is, you know, I think, I think those could be like two huge extra positives for this, you know, playing tournament alone. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I agree. I think, you know, like like you're kind of getting to the point. I was saying, like, things take time, right? And I think over time, for sure, you can have a change in culture in the way people look at things. Um, you bring up another fantastic point that I think has really affected the league, a lack of rivalries. But we've seen the la last year and then this year they're doing it again. They're having a rivalry week. I did laugh. At, I think most of them were good. There were a couple that were like, Yo, what are we doing here? Because you're trying to force <laughs> rivalries. Like they had a, I think it was the, the Spurs and the Blazers. So I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to do the whole like uh, Victor Scoot thing, right? But it's like it's not a rivalry yet, guys. Like you don't have to force something. They also did. Uh, I something think something has to happen first. Something has to happen first, right? Yeah, I'm with you, Matt. You can't just you can't just say something's a rivalry just because it is. So they had that, and I think it was Luca and the, the Hawks and the Mavericks. And I get it. The whole. You know, they were traded for each other draft night and Luca, And yeah, I, I see what they're trying to do there, but it's not a rivalry. You give me Knicks Heat, that's fine. You give me uh, Lakers Warriors, fine. That's that's really good. Mavs Suns. Some some of these series where we've seen a little tension in the last couple of years. Nets, if the Celtics or Celtics Heat or whoever, I'm fine with that. Um, and I think it's a good thing. I miss playoff rivalries and that show. I, I miss that. I like teams that didn't like each other. So I love that they're trying to do look more into promoting that. But I think a way you do that is you have to start creating something new. We can't look to the past. This isn't going to be 1995 or 97 or 83 or whatever you make, whatever you want to be. This is something new and sports has to evolve. Leagues have to evolve. They're going to try things. Maybe the in-season tournament doesn't work. Maybe it doesn't, but I don't kill the NBA for trying. You know, I, I, I think, the rules and competition committee. I love that they're always looking for new things. And I think you have to find new things that connect with new audiences. And I think as a society, we sometimes don't like change, but I embrace it. I think it's good. I'm I'm really excited about this in-season tournament because I think there's going to be, you know, you know, what's, you know what, Matt, you made me think of something too. And I was going to say this at some point, there's going to be a team. I don't know when it's maybe it's this year, maybe it's next year, maybe it's 10 years from now. There'll be a team that wins the in-season tournament. And we'll look back and say, man, them winning the in-season tournament sparked them to the NBA championship. Mm. Then they had they won the NBA Cup, and now they had the belief they could win the Larry O'Brien Trophy. And I don't know how coaches are going to use that, or are they going to use this as a springboard for 
success or how they're going to coach for the rest of the season. I think that's one of the things I'm very intrigued about watching this season is how do coaches, particularly of veteran teams, coach during the NBA Cup? What, how are they going to do? Are younger teams going to go for it? Are guys going to play back-to-backs if there's, you know, or they know this uh, in-season tournament games coming up? How seriously the coaches take it and the players take it are going to be very interesting. So I, 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 I feel good about it still, and I think you're right. I think it's time for us to start trying to create some new traditions. You can get some rivalries that are made off of that. There's going to be intrigue about what groups you're placed in from year to year. Um, so I, 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 I like it, man. I, I think it's going to be good. I sense that you guys are kind of in on this, too. You kind of like it, too. Um, so that's good. I'm glad you're open. I think a lot, there's been other people I've talked to who are just like, no, what is this? Nobody's going to care. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think the players will care. No, I like change. I love innovation. I think it's a great idea. I think the bubble proved that. I mean, look at this, to your point, look at the Suns. I mean, that was a great team point. that was very floundering. And then all of a sudden, look at where the Suns are at now. I and mean, even with the Denver Nuggets, um, you see a lot of teams take mm. advantage of that. And considering the circumstances, I think the bubble had a lot of cool aspects to it that I think could be introduced in this in-season tournament as well in terms of just the feel and everything like that, especially with the finals being in Vegas and switching around. I think internationally, moving the you know the finals of the NBA Cup internationally instead of just kind of having a random regular season game and you know the UK or something, put the NBA Cup there. I mean, it's going to mean something like internationally. I like that. So, I like that. I like those. See, I like those ideas. We can we can be forward thinking. We can be right. innovative. <laughs> we can try some new things. And it's like, yeah, that's I, I I think that's cool. And also the other thing to that point, Justin, the way the NBA Cup is today does not mean the way it's going to be five years from now or ten exactly. years from now. It could be something different. We could eventually get to something where we're having Euro League teams in here or playing it. It can evolve, and I, I'm for that. And I think whatever helps drum up interest in the game or, you know, add interest globally too, as I think you're alluding to, Justin, I think that's that's great. I think it's great too. Dexter, this has been a fantastic chat. Thanks one for coming thing. on. One oh, more go thing, ahead. Justin. Oh, sorry. Right, Dexter, if you got time for one more thing. <laughs> I, got I, I, I got time, man. I got time for you, man. No, I no, appreciate no you. <laughs> i, I got to ask you about the Atlantic Division. Just give us uh-huh. – Give us a little forecasting with this. I mean, of course, you know, the Celtics, probably the assumed favorites coming in, uh, given that they made the Eastern Conference Finals. The Raptors don't have any nationally televised games, um, at at least at the time of recording this podcast, nothing on the schedule for them. So I think that that kind of speaks volumes for those teams. But do you see any, any sleepers? Do you see the 76ers imploding with this Harden situation? Do you see the Knicks getting Embiid? <laughs> what do you see as maybe like a sleeper team or, or like the who are you kind of counting on to be there as, as we go through the season? I think the Celtics are still the class of that division. I'm, but I am intrigued. I That market smart trade shocked me. Okay, I think it shocked all of us. Mm. Um it doesn't mean I don't like that trade, but I think I think we're some people may undervalue not just defense for Marcus Smart, but how much he helped with ball movement on that team. And that's one of the things I worry a little bit about. I think I see what they're trying to do with Porzingis, and then Porzingis' health is obviously a concern. Now he's, he's going to miss the uh, World Cup with Latvia with Plasher Fana, uh, Fasciati, excuse me. Um, so that's a concern, but. I think they're still the best team in the division. Um, they've got the two best players, two-way players there. Um, I think the best team in the division. The team in that division, and um, I think it's, it's my hometown New York Knicks. 
Um, I think I think the Knicks, they're not going to be a sexy team. They're not going to be a, a team. I think they're a very good team. I think they're a 50-win team this year. I think they've made – I think what I like about them, this will be year four in the tips. Um, they've made slight improvements. I'm somebody who very, very much values continuity within a system. I think that matters. I still think there's a little bit of growth and development for some of the young players. I, could, I wouldn't be shocked if you see Quentin Grimes or R.J. Barrett take a bit of a jump this year. Uh, R.J. Barrett playing in the in the World Cup. I think that's good for him. I also would Brunson. It wouldn't shock me if the Knicks got out to a good start this year. I think they know who they are. I think that's huge. I think they have continuity. I, again, I don't see them as a high 51 team, but I can see them winning 50, 51 games this year, up from 47. I think they're a team that could get to the second round again, maybe push for Eastern Conference Finals. I think they're dangerous. I trust them more than Philly because Philly, I don't know what Philly is. There's too much instability there. I think you have to really watch what's going on with, with James Harden. And I think a lot of people have talked about, oh, where's Harden going to go and what's more you going to do and all this other stuff. But it's really more about Embiid, man. Like, it's really about what – how is Embiid going to feel about all this? Like, I want to know how this man feels about all this drama, all this stuff's going on. He's been through the process. Uh, this process, I guess, is still not over. He has to be, you would think, he's got to be a little frustrated with this, guys. Like, what's going on here? I'm trying to win. Yeah. And you wonder if he gets frustrated in the point where he's going to ask out, or is Daryl Morey actually thinking about tearing this all down? Is he trying to just trade? James Harden trade Joel Embiid and go for a total rebuild. Uh, Maury doesn't seem to be in something if he doesn't think he's going to win. Uh, he doesn't have the control in shaping it. So I think, but you know, Philly, if Philly, if Harden plays and Harden like really plays, doesn't show up out of shape or something like that, I mean, in, in that terms, then Philly should be up, up there in the top of the division battling Boston. Um, I'd give them the edge over the Knicks because they'd have the two better players there. But I think after that in the division, the Nets, they're in flux because they're transitioning. I think they're still looking for another star, but they have some nice young players. I actually think the Nets have rebounded pretty well considering everything that went on with them with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, but I don't are, – are they any – they're somewhere probably between 7 and 10. They're probably a playing tournament team. They're a nice team. I think they're going to be well coached. I think Jock Vaughn's a good coach. Um, the Atlantic division is tough. I think the Raptors are clearly the worst team in the division because I'm just not sure of what their direction is. They're probably a playing t- team as well, um, but they could be on the outside because I think there's other teams that have gotten better in the conference, like Indiana. I think it's gotten better. I even think Charlotte will be a little bit better this year. Orlando as well, too. I think there's some teams there in the Southeast Southeast Division that have gotten better. So the Atlantic is tough, but I, I, I see. Don't sleep on the Knicks. And I'm not saying that because I grew up rooting for the Knicks, but don't sleep on the Knicks. Um I think they're a team with a good identity and knows identity. I think Jalen Brunson's getting better. Jalen Brunson's another player I should have added in that category of not the most athletic, but knows how to get to his spots and and make things work. So I I think the Knicks, the way they're going, they're primed. And if if Embiid is it once out, they're going to be all on him. So watch out for that. Philly is the place to keep your eye on because however they go is going to determine a lot. That division is going to determine a lot in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, depending on where Harden goes. So it should be a fun year in the Atlantic Division. Well, selfishly, I mean, I'm a Bulls fan, so I, you know, absolutely oh, the yeah. rivalry. But I, selfishly, I do want Embiid with the Knicks. I just think he just he just fits. It is a perfect fit. <laughs> this him with that would be Madison Square Garden. I mean, just like, yeah. I think he just be so hungry for that. I think he would just 
have that spirit. So I am rooting for that to happen, even though it might come to my Bulls. Well, just, Justin, <laughs> we need Justin. We also need your Bulls to get better too, man. The, the league, <laughs> Not the anytime league soon. <laughs> the league is better when the Bulls are better. Sorry, with the Lonzo Ball news that today we're recording. <sighs> um, I, you know, I, I like when the Knicks and Bulls. You know, I miss those old rivalries and. Um, Me too. I like when the Bulls yeah. are better, and the Bulls have, the Bulls have just had some tough luck. Um, but I, they probably need to tear things down. Completely. I agree. I a hundred percent agree. Just yeah. full rebuild and just start to wipe the slate clean. I don't know why they're hanging on to this whole. I like Demar Derozan. I actually think he's been fantastic with Chicago. Oh yeah. I yes. just think with him and Zach Levine and then Vucevic, I just I think it's over <laughs> with Lonzo getting hurt. So it's best to turn the page. Yeah. Um. Dexter, thank you very much for joining us. Please let our audience know where you can find you on social media and then any other projects you're working on as well. Sure. Our audience can find me on social, all social media platforms at DHenryTV. You can also catch me on the YouTube channels for SNY and New York Post Sports uh, there the weekend. And then I'll be starting up my NBA show, the NBA Exchange. Got to have you guys on again once I get that started in October. So uh, we'll be back with that uh, soon. So follow at the NBA Exchange at well as well, too. Um, Matt and Justin, thanks for having me again, man. It's good, good to be on your, your podcast. You guys do a great job. Oh, much appreciated. Thanks for spending some time with us. Anytime.